Hello and welcome to The Watering Hole, a podcast for in-house lawyers brought to you by Stevenson Law. In this podcast, I interview in-house lawyers on top of their game, gaining insights from their experiences, challenges and hard-earned wisdom. I'm Alice Stevenson, the founder and CEO of Stevenson Law. Without further ado, let's begin. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Ben White. Ben is the founder of Crafty Council, a community and media company designed to provide in-house lawyers with content that matters to them. In 2016, Ben left private practice to join an in-house legal team in a tech company and quickly realised an absence of resources for in-house lawyers. And so he founded Crafty Council, which today houses over 1,000 members who enjoy the benefits of a sprawling in-house lawyer community. Right. Well, it's great to have you here, Ben. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Alice. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. What a treat. Great. Well, I think to start, it'd be great just to hear a little bit about you and how you kind of ended up in law. Sure. So um, first of all, apologize, apologies to you and to uh, such listeners as we have uh, that uh, I've got a bit of a cold today. So I sound a little bit muffled, uh, uh, then that is why, and or a little bit down or, or anything, but uh, working my way through that. So um, uh, a little bit about me and Crafty Council. So I am, I'm a former lawyer and I now run this business called Crafty Council. And Crafty Council is a community for in-house lawyers. Um, and we do things like uh, we do events, uh, we do meetups for the community online. Uh, we tend, tend to be by sector group. So there's a group for startup lawyers, there's a group for FTSE lawyers and so on. Um, so meetups online, uh, in-person events, large and small. Uh, we do some content. We do something called Crafty Council Insights, which is a mix of research and consulting. Um, so that's that's what Crafty Council is. And my background is that um, I was a practicing lawyer. I started my career at Clifford Chance. I was a corporate lawyer there. So I trained and qualified there and left at about four years qualified. And then I went to work for a tech company, an e-commerce company, really, as one of their in-house lawyers. Uh, I did that for a couple of years. That was called Global Fashion Group. And so no surprises to know that they're uh, an international group of companies selling um, selling fashion items. Uh, so uh, uh, quite fun. They have, uh, I worked for a whole, basically the holding company, which owned a bunch of um, sort of fast fashion e-commerce businesses um, in some some quite funky markets. So uh, uh, Southeast Asia, South America, Middle East and so on. Uh, so I did that for a couple of years and then uh, started Crafty Council off the back of that experience. Great. So can we talk a little bit about what kind of led you to start Crafty Council? Because presumably it sounds like it was inspired by your experience working in-house. Um, so how did that sort of actually come about and how did you sort of manage it from a practical perspective? Was it sort of started as a side hustle or at what point did you kind of decide that this was going to be your new career? Um, sure. So uh i started because i i really liked being an in-house lawyer uh, for lots of the reasons that you often hear from in-house lawyers like uh being close to the business um being uh sort of being like the legal brain in the room so not one of many lawyers but um 
uh, the lawyer alongside the finance person, the HR person, um, business development, what have you, working whatever the project is. So, so many things I really enjoyed about it. But I did find that it was a little bit isolating sometimes. So um, we had a, uh, in, in HQ, we had a relatively small legal team. Um, and I found that there were some situations where I thought if I, uh, I was working on things where I thought if I knew someone who had done this before or who had worked in a similar environment, I could probably run something past them and say, look, have you ever, have you tried adopting e-signature, for example? Um, what was your experience on that? Or do you still, do you still print things and get them signed and all that jazz? How do you normally do this? Um, and there are lots of little examples like that where I thought, it would be super helpful to be able to see how other in-house lawyers tackle some of these problems, be those very technical things or actually, you know, career development, personal development in sort of the in-house legal world. And I found that it was a bit hard to get those perspectives from other in-house teams, that the, it, there didn't seem to be a really obvious way to do that. And paradoxically, um, I thought for things like knowledge, we were quite reliant on law firms in our, our particular case, so client briefings and so on. A lot of that stuff really, really useful. But again, I thought there's a sort of a collection of topics where uh, actually be really helpful to learn from your peers. Um, learn and over time I realized just have that almost like pastoral support from other people who are kind of going through a similar thing to you. So that was sort of a model of thoughts. And along as so I thought there's there's something here for in-house. And I was spending a lot of time watching TED Talks. And I thought that was kind of fun. Like there's there should be like some sort of movement thing, learning movement, something, whatever this thing is in TED. Why don't we have anything like that in the legal sector? And then I also thought back to my time in private practice and how we did marketing, for example, and like writing those client briefings and kind of hoping that someone will read them. Um, and I thought, yeah, there might be something here where we could build something for in-house, which also can help the firms as well. Um, so to help them maybe with some of the messaging like we can we can do some great content bring it bring it to life uh so it was this sort of model of thoughts which then start turned into the beginnings of crafty council so i almost like had this like set of problems to solve but not the clearest sense of how to do it but i did start working on it as a side hustle just as you um just as you thought might have been the case so there was a period of more than a year where i was working still as an in-house lawyer at global fashion group but I also had this side hustle that was growing and growing originally very much as a video thing. So um, at, in those days, I wasn't thinking about Crafty Council as a community at all, but it was um, learning from each other through video. And I teamed up with a filmmaker friend from university and she helped to produce some of the original content. So this, this is now taking us back to 2018 and that was what I was doing. So so working as an in-house lawyer, I had this side hustle, trying to solve problems for in-house lawyers. And at, at that time, I thought this is all about this is all about video and really, really high-end, high-end video to share to share ideas. So it's obviously evolved hugely over the last four years. Um, at what point did you sort of decide that you were going to pack in your your in-house job because it's quite a big thing as well because you went from being a lawyer to not being a lawyer and I've been through that journey myself and it's it's not some a, a decision that you take lightly is it so no. how did you kind of reach that decision 
Well, I think we tend to be quite risk averse, don't we, as as lawyers? Yeah. And um, I was really waiting for like this one uh, moment, which never came, like the moment when something would happen, which would mean it was so obvious that I should quit my job and go and work on this thing. So maybe <laughs> like landing would, in front of you. Yeah, yeah, would oh. win some like massive contract. <laughs> what contract for? To, with whom to do what? I don't know. Um, but. Uh, so I was hoping that there's like something which would make it a really easy decision. And I think this goes also down to like risk. And maybe this is just me, but perhaps some people empathize with this. I wanted to have, um, I think what I really wanted was an excuse that I could say to, like I could say to my parents, for example, uh, look, <laughs> obviously I should quit being a lawyer and do this thing. Um, mm. And you, you know, the classic, you hear this so much from people who started their own business, as, as, as we both have um that you know you get a lot of people thinking you're a bit mad and uh being able to explain what you're doing at the beginning when there isn't really a thing and you get these kind of like skeptical looks at you know in the pub or a dinner party or whatever and the conversation kind of moves on so um <laughs> so i was waiting for the moment and the moment obviously never came um what ended up happening was really enjoyed global fashion group a lot but i was thinking about what i might do in terms of the next move i was interviewing for another role which actually was like a like a dream role. Really, really interested in it. Um, uh, slight twist that I know, I know, I, I know who's doing that job now. Uh, so, <laughs> um, and I and I got quite advanced in that process, and then pulled out because I thought that I couldn't take this side side hustle to this role. Which I, if I start a new thing, I'd want to be completely um engrossed in it and i also thought if i then just terminate crafty council now this idea that i would had that i might one day be an entrepreneur um would never happen because you know what how can you work on something for a year and then and then you just and then you just leave it like i'll never do that again so i thought come on like at least it's worth a shot and i thought through even what my cv would look like if um if it all went wrong it work yeah yeah what would I how would I explain yeah. what, would, what would be the transfer the of madness the how would you explain yeah. the madness yeah I tanked a business and uh <laughs> it's, it's, this makes me really good at like governance <laughs> please hire me so what I mean what I love about craft council and what you're doing Ben is that there's really no other entrepreneur within the legal industry doing anything like what you're doing is so unique um, and I think so well needed as well. Um, so I think one of the problems we have within the legal industry is that there's a real lack of collaboration. Um, and I'm certainly trying to address this, you know, with people in private practice running law firms. Um, and, you know, and you're obviously sort of trying to tackle the same issue with the in-house lawyer. And it just makes perfect sense to me, particularly when you're looking at in-house lawyers, because they're not in competition with each other. Right. This, this is just there is no downside to that at all. Yeah, completely. And that's thank you for those kind of words. But I think that that final point that you ended on this collaboration between in-house lawyers, it really is inspiring to see. So I had this idea at the very beginning, as I said earlier, that it would be better if we could learn from one another. And we spent a little bit of time figuring out the, what the right model was. Originally, it was just video. Now, we still do a lot of content, but we've got the community that I described earlier, events, 
we've got a message board where people share problems um uh for our junior we've got a group of junior in-house lawyers they have a whatsapp group uh venture capital private equity lawyers they have an email group so there's a few things going on um but the common thread is it's really inspiring seeing actually how willing people are to help one another yeah. and you're right that actually in-house legal is an interesting thing because you can, even where you've got people working for companies that compete it's very rare that actually the legal teams what the problems that they're trying to solve and the problems that they'd ask one another would be sensitive in a way that they wouldn't want to share and people are very generous uh sometimes you know people do a little bit sensible about about staying away from some topics if there is a genuine sort of competitor in the room that's very very rare and most of it is kind of emo like almost emotional like how do you how do i manage my team how do i what's what's the right team structure how do we recruit there's a lot of chat around as you might imagine external partners technology firms etc etc um but generally like this always this thing of like how are other people doing this um it's really hard to find out and and where are we like how do we benchmark what we're doing against other people um are, are we the only people who find this particular set of challenges challenging um and not helped i think by and this you know it's normal that we get this but we do events right and there is a pervasive thing that you do see at some conferences that naturally the conference format lends itself to people on stage talking about some great thing that they did or something that they implemented and that can also be a bit dispiriting if, if you're in the, in the audience because you can come away thinking everyone else has cracked it and it's funny because often people often say at conferences off stage the same speaker will you'll ask them over a drink you know wow that sounded amazing they go oh yeah you know but I didn't tell you what a complete catastrophe it was behind the scenes <laughs> um so yeah anyway long way of saying seeing that collaboration come to life is really is really inspiring and are we unique I, th I think that there's a um we I think if you look at any aspect of what we do there's someone else doing a bit a, a thing a bit like that like of course there are lots of other people doing events in legal and there's other content and da 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 but um but we're trying to sort of build that package in a particular way for our community um and we try and be quite collaborative with others in the sector as well and rub along quite well so yeah, yeah. do you think that that problem that in-house lawyers have of sort of feeling like they're almost operating in a silo and having that lack of information do you think that that is the biggest problem that in-house lawyers typically face gosh great question as I think that's definitely that's definitely a problem um and that comes I think that can come a bit from almost like cultural factors like people not not understanding what the lawyers are for yeah uh, and I've definitely seen in the past you know people are not sure when when do you talk when do you talk to legal and for what things and like you could either swing in completely like avoid them at all costs or like oh that person helped me with the contract once I'm now going to give them all all of my contracts I'm not going to read them and, and basically oh yeah legal approved it and so it's actually sometimes I think it's it's quite hard sometimes for other people in the business to figure out uh you know what do you do what do you do with legal and what's the right shape and one interesting thing I find almost like a parlor trip that we do sometimes at some of our events or online meetups is asking people 
what the legal team does. So I've asked people in the past, you know, raise your hands if, you know, does your legal team look after commercial contracts? And most hands will go up, up but sometimes actually a couple of people say, no, no, we don't at all. You say, okay, well, are you doing M&A, uh, HR, company secretary, uh, insurance, um, all sorts of things. And you just see this sort of forest of hands going up and down, which is different in each case. And it just, what it always says to me is every legal team is actually a little bit different in the uh, in the setup of what in that organization legal is there to cover. And I think that's quite a hard thing as well. It's hard for, it's hard for the legal team and it's hard for everyone else um, figuring out the contours of what the legal, what the legal do. Pause the podcast because I want to talk to you a little bit about our legal community called The Watering Hole. Our exclusive community of in-house lawyers come together online to network and impart knowledge. We host exclusive Legal Bite sessions, quarterly meetups, and members also benefit from a merch-packed welcome package and a monthly online magazine curated for the in-house lawyers called The Pool. Membership to the Watering Hole community is completely free, but spaces are limited. So if you want to join, then check out the link in the description of this episode. Right, back to the podcast. No, it's really interesting. And I think it's certainly one of the one of the things that draws people to being an in-house lawyer. And I've worked as an in-house lawyer myself as well, is just the variety is just you just never know from one company to the next, from one role to the next. It's just so much variety. And when you were in when you were in in-house, um, in-house legal what was your sort of favorite part of the role what did you enjoy the most Mm. well I guess because I had a background as a corporate lawyer I did actually quite like sort of the deal doing bit Um, and when I joined I think there was an original plan that I like corporate skills would be I think my boss said um, you know good transferable skills sort of thing but we don't do won't do that many deals but actually it happened that the great strategy changed a lot pretty much when I arrived. So actually there was loads of corporate work and I quite liked that. So we did quite a bit of M&A, we did some fundraising and I liked being, you know, that thing, the phrase um, in the kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Um, so I felt like that, like I'd gone from Clever Chance where I was like one of many yeah. corporate lawyers and suddenly like I was the only one in a group which had decided that it was about to embark on a bunch of quite important transactions. So. Um, that was really fun. I went off to yeah. Dubai. Uh, we did a, uh, we sold part of the um, operating business that we had there to a local, uh, large local company, and yeah, that I I went out, spent time with the management team, built the data room, sort of uh, identified who were the key people who were in the loop on the deal, who were going to help me to do that, mm-hmm. um, mapping out what on earth this. subsidiary actually did um putting together a very quick corporate reorg when we discovered that certain things needed to be sorted out before uh before we could do the deal and it was very invigorating um in particular that i think all that human side right like being able to sit with the one of the senior guys in that region and him take me through um yeah that example of I was explaining we're going to need a data room. Tell me, like, talk me through what what does this business do because we didn't have that much visibility, uh, yeah. and and him basically 
uh, putting his brain on the table and saying, well, actually, this is how the business functions. These are our, these are the key commercial partners. These are the key suppliers. Uh, these are where the warehouses are. Um, this is how the employment arrangements work. And then being able to say, okay, as a lawyer, I could get my arms around that. And this is how we're going to present this to our yeah. new investor. Um, that I think what that all goes to is, I think a common experience for all of in-house lawyers, the, the sort of the marrying up of an interest in people, the human side, interest in the business as well, then with your kind of special legal skill set to to make something special out of that. Yeah, um, you'd never normally get as close as that to a deal, would you, if you're in private practice doing a deal? Not usually, yeah. I had a couple of, I like Clever Chance a lot, and I had a cu couple of experiences that that were, that were like that, but very hard to get that to get that close where you're really, really in it. And you, the other thing that's different is that you live with the consequences. So you know that example. Um, uh, I mean, all of this is public knowledge that this deal was done. You do you do a joint joint venture in a law firm, more or less. You know, then the deal is done, and the client might come back to you with some questions, or you do the follow on transaction which is linked to it or whatever but you don't live with the consequences quite the same way and the next like the very next day you're like right okay like what happens now who who's reporting to whom and um yeah. uh you're just living it with you're living with it in a very in a very different way and that's mm -hmm. quite fun so going going back to crafty council what's kind of the biggest challenge that you're facing at the moment we're doing, uh, we're having a very busy end of 2022. So um, we have got lots of events on um, and that is an important part of our business and that's taking up, those, those can be quite time intensive. As you know, Alice, you've done events. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm an expert now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's the combination of actually having quite a lot on operationally with also a time of year when we're doing a lot of planning for next year um and um so we're doing the strategic and the very short-term operational with a small team a uh, very hard working team but probably working a bit too hard um and also trying to plan for the future so um we're looking at things like potentially raising a bit of capital for the business to um, help realize big ambitious plans um, but yeah, it turns out trying to think about fundraising and operational execution and planning your next business year. Uh, yeah, it means it, it's, it's a busy time, fun time, but it's a busy time. Yeah, that's quite a lot to have on any one time, isn't it? I'm just going to wait. My son has just walked in and he's got his friend on loud speakerphone and yeah. I'm just going to get rid of him. Adam, I'm just on a call, darling. Can you take yourself upstairs? Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Have, how old are your children, Ben? Uh, we have three. Eight, six, and two. Oh. Um, well, my middle one's 11, and he just walks around with his phone like this and his friend on loudspeaker, like, from the minute he wakes up to the minute he goes to bed. Like, he's just there all the time. I just... think we've got, we've got that to look forward to. So how many have you got, Alice? I've got three, but they are... Five, eleven, and twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I 
it's a lot it's a lot <laughs> but have you got three under eight or under nine that's a lot as well yeah it's nice have, i think let's have a bit of chaos right well yeah most of the time <laughs> right sorry a couple more questions and then yeah. I will let you go um so if we just go back to before you entered law all those years ago <laughs> no it wasn't that long ago was it <laughs> um some days it feels like a long time. yeah <laughs> I look younger I've seen, I've seen the photos <laughs> but to be fair yeah oh. I think that might be more attributed to I think aging might be more attributed to children than the business yeah well maybe maybe it's a bit of both I think it's a bit of both for me for sure um if there was one thing that you could is there one thing that you wish you'd known before you entered the legal the, the legal world and what would that be before entering the legal world yeah hmm I think Funny one that I don't regret just my decisions, but there are uh, loads of decisions that I might have done differently, which actually would have ended, ended me up being in a different place. Mm. So it's how so it's interesting holding like both thoughts in my head at the same time. Um, I think I might have spent, if I was speaking to young, my younger self, I might have advised me to um, look a bit to think harder about uh, areas of law and type of law firm. I think I was, again, I, I really liked Clifford Chance most of the time. Um, I, but I think there was an element of choosing, you know, big, big firm because how wrong can you go, blah, 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 brand name, optionality. I think that can be, I think in my early 20s, that felt quite important. And I realized something can be quite dangerous. The thing of you're like, you always keep, the lure of always keeping your options open um and you know clever chance big a big brand name keeps your options open to do other things it's yeah. Not, yeah at some point it's like options to where and i look at some more like sort of niche areas of law and people who who had the confidence i think to um take paths into those sorts of things so i don't know back then i might have thought about media for example stuff like that um and later on while I was still in private practice, at one point I looked at joining a venture capital law firm, a boutique, um, and I completely whipped out of that decision because no one I knew had heard of this firm. And I just thought, oh, maybe this it just felt like uh, I was I basically wasn't brave enough to pursue it. It may not have been the right decision, but I yeah. didn't even get far enough to really properly scrutinizing it because emotionally I wasn't I wasn't ready yet. So I think. I think it probably, safe. Yeah. You played it a bit too safe, do you think? Yeah, I think I played it a bit too safe at all. Yeah. Which is funny actually, hearing you say that when now you you know you're a founder and you started your own company. Yeah, so now I'm totally overcompensating, gone towards <laughs> the complete other end of the risk 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 reward. Um, <laughs> Something yeah. obviously happened to change that. It was a little moment of like, you know, if 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 not now when. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you could give a piece of advice to somebody actually wanting to start their own business in the legal industry, whatever that business might be, um, what would what would that advice be? I think having the, 
taking the time to really, really think it through. So I'm ha very happy with where Crafty Council has landed, but I think particularly when I started working on it full time, I rushed a little bit um, and we'd had some success with this video thing, which made me think, right, that way. Um, it goes back a bit to that thing of wanting of paradoxically kind of playing it safe or like wanting to explain to people what on earth it was that I was doing. Well, people liked our videos, so keep doing videos. This is obviously a video business. Uh, I think I might, I think the overall business might be better served with a few months of really, of quitting the job and having the confidence to say, I, I don't have to do anything yet. Um, that I'm gonna, I'm gonna factor into the plan enough time to really, really kind of do the research and think this out. And that you can do that too much, like, cause you can get analysis paralysis. But in my particular case, I think um, I probably let let a bit early on one particular path, and that meant that we actually ended up pivoting away from the original vision of a sort of I was telling people this is Netflix for lawyers, um, so a pure video business. Again, like content is still really important, but people were gravitating towards Crafty Council because there was a desire for community, which they were discovering through video, as opposed to there was a desire through video. And so, yeah, so my my advice to someone thinking about doing something entrepreneurial, it would be, well, on lean towards going for it, but really, really like take the time to figure out what is that problem you're, what's that problem you're solving and how are you going to do it? Yeah, it's, I guess, it's the product fit, isn't it, for the market? What What is it that you're you're going to be doing and do they need it? Yeah, I read uh, the Lean Startup at that that critical time, and then I did the opposite of all the things in the book. So <laughs> it said like develop a really quick MVP, get it to market. Instead, we basically developed a content library for like eight or nine months, which we then released in one big go, which went fine. But I think yeah, I think if I found a way to get faster feedback, mm -hmm. then that would have been smart. So read those books, but then actually, you know understand them and do something about it <laughs> no i think that's good advice um right last question if you hadn't become a lawyer and entered the legal world what do you think you'd be doing now mm, um the other things i was really interested in doing i was very into theater when i was at, mm. at uni so uh my now wife and mother of our children Mari, we we actually met on our on our gap years uh, before university, but we uh, got together at the cast party of the first student play we did together, and we had a Aww. production company putting on plays. Um, so uh, did three at uni, took one up to the Edinburgh Festival. Quite and yeah, I really enjoyed that stuff. I liked the creativity, and uh, I wasn't a very good actor, but I liked telling people what to do. So. Um, so that, were you on the stage or behind backstage or what was your I role? I was directing. I was you were directing. directing, okay. Yeah. yeah, so I told them where to move around and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It, again, with passion or again with feeling. <laughs> that, that sort of helped with feedback. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, so I like that. That would have been a potential path. Um, and for a long time, I wanted to be a diplomat. So very different things. but Very was, different. Yes, yeah. But you yeah, ended up in law. I did an internship in uh, the British, not quite an embassy in Taiwan, because Taiwan isn't a uh, 
isn't recognized as a country. So our embassy is in Beijing, but uh, we have a trade and cultural office in Taipei, which is the capital of Taiwan. Uh, so that was quite interesting, spending a bit of time out there. Super interesting. Well, thank you, Ben. That's been really, really interesting chatting to you. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Alice. I've really enjoyed our chat. Ben, it's been so great having you on the show. And I know I found it fascinating hearing about your work at Crafty Council. So I've got no doubt that others will as well. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences with me. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Watering Hole podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. I'm Alice Stevenson, and this has been brought to you by Stevenson Law, a legal services provider that supports fast-growth tech businesses from idea to exit. See you next time.